You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy. Hey people, how are you doing? Welcome to episode 184 of the Sports Therapy Association podcast. My name is Matt Phillips, creative on chatlive.com. And as always, this episode is being recorded live on a Tuesday, eight o'clock on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel and the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. And I think actually this particular episode, I am also streaming to the Sports Therapy Association open group. So it's the first Tuesday of the month and we're therefore bringing you our regular series, Ask Us Anything in which our STA panel discuss a selection of questions, both emailed in to me, matt at the sta.co.uk, and also taken from the marvellous sports massage training and support group run by Tracy McClimmon. But first of all, a big thank you to last week's guests. It was, I always start this off, it was a great episode. It really was, and it always is, because that's how we roll in the show. But it was a really good episode. And we thank everybody who joined us live and everyone who's downloaded it. It's still getting downloaded loads. Um, it was physios versus sports therapists. If you're listening to the podcast, then you can't see the image of it on the screen. But if you are interested in seeing what comes up on the screen, then this is recorded on YouTube as well. The name was obviously clickbait. Um, you have to do that. You have to do a little bit of that to get people to download stuff these days. And what we had was a panel of physios and sports therapists from the MSK Hub, which is a great Facebook group on, on Facebook, funny enough. And we just talked it through some of the arguments, normally down to misinformation or lack of information about what physios do, what sports therapists do, a little bit of pride, a little bit of fear, all the sort of things which cause miscommunication. And it's a great eye-opener. Um, the physios on the panel learn some stuff, the sports therapists learn some stuff, and from the feedback we've had, a lot of the listeners learn some stuff. And um, We'll probably touch on it again tonight because one of the questions we've had emailed in is about that. I'll just leave that as a hook, shall I? Yeah, I won't tell you what the question is. Uh, but anyway, if you do want to listen to that, I do recommend you do because so many sports massage therapists, sports therapists, think they're great, but I'm not a physio. And it's always that in the background, niggling away. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not a physio. So if you like that, then I would encourage you to listen to this and hear from the physios. Also, if you're an angry sports therapist, you think all physios are out to get you. Not all of them. Some of them are, rest assured, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean no one's after you. But not all of them are. A lot of them are very nice and they actually form an important part of multidisciplinary care and you be you really should have a physio or a couple of physios in your little circle who you can refer to who you will get referrals back from and so on okay so anyway check it out it's on all popular podcast apps and if you want to watch the video you can see it on youtube and also of course all of it is put on the website for the sta which is the sta.co.uk right that's it so as i say tonight it's going to be i'm going to bring up the sta panel if you listen to this or watch this and you're interested in being on the sta panel in in the first tuesday of the month then thank you uh, we'd love to have you up here you will see that there's absolutely nothing professional about the show particularly the guests i've got tonight and uh, you don't have to be nervous it's going to be fine and it's just a lovely chance for therapists to answer therapists the only criteria is that you've got a decent internet connection obviously webcam mic and um, and you've got a little bit of experience to share but even then you know we'd love to have on the panel somebody who's relatively new because it's all about just sharing tonight we're all on a level playing field and just helping each other with our experience whatever that might be so just one other thing if you are listening via the msk hub 
then you no sorry if you are listening via the open group you will need to give permission to facebook for your comments to be out there okay so there is something in the notes what i'll do is i'll put it up on the screen now as well um i can do that quite easily i'll put that on there now and you'll see it you put it in once and it basically just gives facebook or the live software a permission to use your photo when it comes up on there so you can do that right i've left them down in the dungeons for long enough what i will do now is bring up the sta panel for tonight's episode first tuesday of the month ask us anything you're listening to the sports therapy association podcast putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy there we go hey everybody how are you good thanks Thank you. Good. Don't forget Hi. the podcast. The case of waving just doesn't kick it on this show. Um, you have to use your voice. Believe it or not, there's one or two waivers there. Thanks for that. So, yeah, thanks for coming along. What I am going to do is obviously give you a chance to introduce yourselves, because as we kind of talked about off air, we do get great feedback from this. It's so nice for therapists to hear real life stories and maybe potential solutions to problems which are equally shared. So I really appreciate you coming along and giving up your time and and everything which you're happy to share. So thank you very much. So what we'll do and let's give a bit more room on here. Let's just not forget the people who've come to join us live. So Brian Huxley, how are you doing? And Ivan Ward is in here as well. If you listen to podcasts, then what happens if you do join us live, then I can bring up your comments and questions onto the screen, like Glenn Murphy, how are you all doing? We're doing great, Glenn. Tim Allardyce, Rhymes with Paradise, is here as well. Most physios love sports therapists. Thanks, Tim. That's really nice coming from you. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to see Tim here as well. So yeah, and other people are coming through as well. Um, Thank you for joining us. It really makes a difference having people join us live right introducing in no particular order then i'm just going to ask you to say who you are what part of the country you're in in case any of our listeners want to kind of hook up with you and get some advice sound a bit wrong we'll edit that bit out <laughs> let's do let's let's have mark first of all so mark um introduce yourself and and tell us all a little bit about you hi i'm uh, mark bleasdale i'm as gary referred to in a podcast i was listening to recently i'm one of the five percent who's left working as a sports massage therapist coming into my fifth year since first deciding to do it. My background is really around, and and I do regard myself as being pretty new to it. I did 30 years in the police service and was looking for something to do towards the end of it. was interested in run coaching. So I do have been doing that for six or seven years. And then I'm, and also other sports coaching, including, including cricket. I, the the sort of the setup that I work with now is that we bought a premises to do something else in, which was sort of hot desking and office rental, but there was space for a therapy room in it, which I've spent a little bit amount of money on, and I work there now. Probably I've got about two days a week work, so I still regard myself as a part timer. But we've taken over another premises that suffered under covid so i've got a couple of other therapists who come and rent the room for a, a day that's me fantastic and what part of the country was it again Mark? sorry fundilo west wales it's easy for you to say what was it called again <laughs> <laughs> i think it doesn't begin with a fur i know it doesn't begin with a fur it's probably a lure, isn't it or something yeah it is it's got a double l at the start of course it has. it's yeah. um it's, well, it's sort of about 15 miles away from swansea for people fantastic who- that's great. We've no got much. a lot of members down that way, so it's good to know where you're from. All right, thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Treadmill still working well? 
Well, no, my treadmill is still broken down. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry to bring up. Let's not let's not bring let's not bring the, the tempo down now. It's quite upbeat. No, I'm, I'm going to use something else to move on. Yeah, we'll go down now. I don't want to open up that can of worms. Right, let's move along. Sarah Clatworthy, how are you, Sarah? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight. Sarah Clatworthy, I'm from the southwest in Gloucestershire. I'm a sports massage therapist and have been since 2013. So. 11 years at level, I'm now at level five. I've always worked privately from home. I've got this lovely, lucky for me, this lovely purpose-built therapy room, mini gym that I use with my clients. But I do have a a network of sort of physio-vosteopaths and chiropractors that I work with and refer to if, if I need to. My main sort of bread and butter is the running and triathlon community. I deal with a lot of those. I've done that gate analysis course. Just just that completed actually in in March. So I work with a lot of a lot of those, but but also just the general carpenters, builders, teachers, and and anyone else that that comes along with some some pain or grumble. I've, the way that I've tried to advance myself over the years is by just adding. My to my sort of professional toolbox with lots of courses, trying to keep myself up to date as much as my spare time allows. It's doing things like listening to you guys on a on Tuesday night, just trying to keep myself up up with the the moving trends in our industry. So, yeah, that's me. Brilliant. Thank you so much for that. So, you working? Did you say you converted your own house? Is it or your own premises? Yes, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a room with a separate entrance, which was very useful in the COVID eras, era. But yes, I, I basically work from home. That's great. Well, get that. It just reminded me, actually, well, you reminded me two things. One, I need to start sorting out the, the gate analysis course because that's coming up sooner than I thought. So for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a bit of those notes out again. And two, we are going to have a whole month dedicated to kind of like panel stuff of of dedicated to different topics which one of them is going to be setting up setting up in your home the the legal aspects of it whether it's in your garage in your home all the everything which people need to take on board so we might see you back for then then we'll do another one about setting up in a gym which will be renting stuff and then we'll do another one about mobile massage so we're going to do three of them because i think it's so interesting hearing uh, for new therapists or therapists suddenly thinking oh maybe i should do it from home because they want to hear from you guys so Hopefully, we might even have you back for that. That'd be nice. Um, Anyway, thank you you so much for coming on. Right, let's go down to Dan. Hey, Dan, how are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm very well. Hi, Daniel. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Uh, Yeah, thank you for having me. I can't believe people still want to listen to me. (laughs) I'm a graduate sports therapist with an add on of sports like biomechanics. I run a clinic down in Sussex near to Gatwick called Body Health Gatwick, which has treatment rooms. It also has a gym space downstairs. I'm really lucky where I do rehab and FNC and now gate analysis. Plug in there. Yeah. And yeah, I've been going since 2012 something like that and I predominantly used to work in football and now I have moved more into athletics uh, specifically similar to Sarah runners triathletes is my main kind of demographic but I work with loads of different sports in my unit to be fair but yeah probably more the runners and triathletes as a main main group excellent and you did a thing recently didn't you thing (laughs) 
yeah, I went, <laughs> I went to a sixth form college to go and plug sports therapy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and just to say how wonderful it is and, uh, like, hopefully inspire the next generation if they want to go into that or, or physio or something similar. It was really cool. It was a little bit terrifying being back at a school hall, but they were very forgiving, very nice. And yeah, really, really lucky that they were quite engaging and asking questions. So that was quite a relief because, uh, yeah, mass public speaking is uh, not necessarily my first calling. So, yeah, it was really good. That was great. I was really happy to see it. It was a great post and you looked really happy about with yourself, which is great. And hopefully coming on to something like this, I don't know, did it, did doing something like this, help a little bit with the idea of oh people are interested in what I want to say or did it help you up there just say just say no yes I like to think a little bit of the confidence helps because you know, a lot of people they'd hate to do this <laughs> no I am um, I really enjoy what I do and I like I, I genuinely am really really passionate so uh, I will speak to literally anyone who will give me five minutes of their day and yeah and I, I'm a big believer as well of if you can do give back a little bit because it, it will work in cycles. I never had anything like that when I was at school. So um, if I can, like, speak to someone and get one sports therapist out of them, like, then they're wonderful. Excellent. That's really cool. That sounds really good. Right, moving onwards. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Over to Penny. Hi, everyone. So I come from a, an education background. I was a teacher for, don't want to say how long for, <laughs> two decades and decided I needed a change. So I started doing a little bit of anatomy and physiology and pathology, completely different language for me. And been doing sports massage therapy since 2018, full time, completely left education and never looked back. And I also did the Oh, no, course. Stop. I just realised I'm looking for we got, it's just a plug for me. Yeah, you did a course. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Good. So the running, the running course was amazing. Uh, you're doing the right thing, Sarah. I think Danielle was on my. Stop talking thing, about the course. I'm feeling sure. very sorry, sorry, Matt. Yeah. It's just brilliant. And therapy now at level five. So I'm basically a soft tissue therapist. I don't quite understand the difference in the terms. It doesn't really matter. So just you know, helping people with their sport and. Are you at a clinic life. or at home? How do, how do you I am working from home, yes. Okay. I started straight away from home, yeah. treating people, and it's been great. It's absolutely Excellent. great. Amazing. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Glad, glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. An absolute pleasure. And last but not least, we've got Gary, who, if people don't know, is the founder of the Sports Therapy Association. Hey, Gary, how are you doing? Hi, Matt. I'm, I'm the only one here who's not been invited onto your course. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> but I have supported Run Chat Live since since it started, so uh, it's all good. Well, stuff. no, I did the course yeah. up in Lincoln about twenty five years ago or something. So you did. It hasn't but changed, I mate. It, yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to make you feel bad, but it obviously yeah. didn't work. No. Um, yeah, I just want to say happy birthday for last week to Tim, who's in the audience. I think he was thirty last week. Happy birthday, Tim! So happy happy birthday, Tim! Yeah, all fine at this end, Matt. Very busy talking to members. I'm going to be out of office after tonight until. Friday, late on Friday, and Jake's working remotely, but we are still dealing with everything emails, Facebook messages, etc. 
Amazing. Right. Thanks, Gary. Okay. So there, I think it's nice. I think it's important when we do get to the questions for people to have a little idea of where you're from. So you've got somebody who's started off and built their brand and has now made it multidisciplinary. They've got KNS and stuff going on. We've got a few people who are at home. We've got people who started later in life. And, and it's nice because obviously all of that is going to give you different experiences and information to share. So hopefully there's someone on our panel who reflects what the listeners are doing, you the listener are doing. So I'm going to bring up the questions. I'm going to bring them on the screen for the people who've joined us live as well so you can see them. Then I'll also read out the whole thing. Some of them are anonymous. Some of them, if I do read out the name, it's because the person's given me permission to use the name. I'm also very excited. We've got a which logo do you prefer later today for the first time on the show. So we're going to analyze a couple of logos. Gary is just going to be salivering at that. He loves his logos <laughs> and business cards. He's going to be like, yeah, brilliant. So that's me coming up. Right. So, but I'm going to do them in order. So I'm going to bring up some questions now to the screen. So people join us live can see this going on. So the first question, the shortened version, which you can see on the screen now, is training for a massage therapist, sports therapist or physio. So it kind of ties in with last week's episode, physio versus sports therapist. Mm. The whole question was as follows. Gang, you ready? Can I have people's opinion on further education after being a massage therapist? I want to decide on training to become a sports therapist or a physio. And that was from somebody at the Sports Massage Training and Support Group. Common question. Anybody ever put that question to themselves or acted on it it's it's a question that i get asked fairly regularly matt i've worked in further education and higher education and, w- and what i say to people is if you're coming from a vocational background and you want to enroll onto an academic program the academic establishment will probably want you to be able to evidence that you're you are returning to learning or you've got a certain amount of skills or the dedication required to complete the degree so i would say look at the competences for sports therapy and a physio before you decide because you know physio is not the guarantee of employment it once used to be it's it's no longer a funded degree that was bursaried by the nhs so you're going to be paying student fees wherever and i think i saw this one on on one of the threads and i did put in there if, if, if a person wants to speak to me send sta gary a facebook dm or gary at the sta.co.uk and i'll just have a chat with them Mark, so Penny and Danielle, have you ever thought I need to be a physio? I've got to be a physio. Have you ever crossed your mind, or I don't think any of you actually did it? Oh, sorry. Yeah, so for for me, because I went down the degree route, it was common. I would say a good like third of my classmates went on and did a MSK in physiotherapy or something else. So I went down the sports science route personally. I kind of fell into it by accident and I just went with the flow. But yeah, there has definitely been times where I thought, oh, maybe it would be an easier life, etc. But what I have found, like Gary has said, is actually it's not guaranteed employment either way. Like, so it depends where you want to go. Like, and I think you've got to ask your question, what do you want to do and who do you want to work with? Because like, do you want to work in a hospital? Well, then, of course, you should probably go down the physio route. You know, if you, you could do both a bit more outside. But if you want to work with more sporting people, then, you know, therapy is definitely more geared towards working with. Well, for me, it felt like it was like towards athletic people. So I think the question you've got to always ask yourself is what is the end goal? And like and like Gary said, like research the course and what criteria will you fit in? Or would actually the level four or five? 
you know, would that be a better way around around life? That's great. In my opinion. Thank you, Mark. What were you going to say? I was saying, I sort of, I'm, I'm still undecided actually because I've, I've looked at both options. A little bit longer than in England, the Welsh government were offering bursaries to train for, uh, for physiotherapy and podiatry. I think it was as long as you worked in the NHS for two, the Welsh NHS for two years afterwards. I steered away from that really because I, w- I wasn't actually sure whether that is the work was you know those committing five years to it effectively by the time you've well, you've trained. So I'm still still in that undecided learning phase and just sort of you know very similar to what Danielle says is what actually do you what qualifications do you need to get the work that you want out of doing this so at the moment to a certain degree you know spending a lot of time studying getting quite detailed qualifications isn't something that I personally need I, I am tending to try and pick up bits of CPD here and there and and actually sort of sit on my hands before making the decision in, in which direction to go with a bit more detail. Excellent. So you're still tempted by the idea of, of doing physiotherapy, are you? Yeah, I am, because I can see the, well, the wider remit that they've that they've got. But my, my real interest is, historically has been around sports and rehab and, you know, and just dealing with that, you know, the, the results of playing sport. But I do realise that, you know, for physio- physiotherapy is going to provide a lot more than that. Also, at the back of my mind is my age, which is a big factor because I'm 55 now and realistically I want to work for 10, 12 years probably. So does it need the investment of three years of study to provide those remaining eight or nine years worth of work? So that's probably why I'd be steering away from it or I haven't made that jump. So when you see you're tempted by the extra from physiotherapy, you like the idea of working outside of sport and working in hospitals in the different wards. Yeah. 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 And some um, people forget that. family link though, because lots of my members of my family have worked in hospitals mm. so doing different things. I think that's such an important point, which, which sometimes we presume people know, but we really, when we say physiotherapy and sports therapy, we really are comparing two pretty different things. And as, as Gemma was explaining from the MSK hub, who's a physio herself and, and has championed multidisciplinary care a lot, physiotherapists will do far less sports related MSK on the, on, on the course than a sports scientist or sports therapist will because they're learning all about the other wards and places in a hospital. They're learning all about the neuro and, and working with children and working in, in all, all the other departments, respiratory and everything. So. So it's really very different. So like Dan said, you have to think, what do I want to do? Do I want to work in different wards and be away from sport? Or do do I just want to work with sports people? So two totally different careers, which I think sometimes people get confused with. And they set physiotherapy as like, well, that's the best. Can I do that? I need to get that one. Really, it's like, it's not what you're really after. So Penny and Sarah, it's it's a good topic. Have you ever had doubts? I've I've had a recently i just i went on and googled can i get a master's in physiotherapy or something because i have so many qualifications in my background i want to do another three or four or five years mm. in education again you know again like mark it's the age thing i mm. you know how much can you invest i think that just reading out the question again it's not quite i don't quite know this person actually it's you know so it's does he mean or she does she mean like I want to do something because sports massage therapy is not giving me any, you know, 
pleasure at the moment. I want to do something completely different. Or is the question about what's the next step after being a sports massage therapist so I can better myself? Mm-hmm. And then videos and sports therapists are completely different modalities, but they have overlapping qualities, don't they? Including sports massage therapy. So I agree with Daniela on the question. They have to ask the question, what is it that I want to be doing? Mm-hmm. Which types of people do I want to be helping? What's my target, you know, employment idea in a way before they, because it's, it's solid title. If it's just about the title, this, there's no point. Mm-hmm. It all depends on why this question. And that's what I don't understand. So I, I think what, what happens when we have people come into this industry and we've, we've done a, a podcast in October about the changing face of qualifications and how, how much the qualifications have changed in the last 20 years. And, and I think what happens is because of the limited scope of practice that, that now comes with the level three course of just administering or applying massage in the sport and activity content in pre, post and injury event and maintenance massage. I think a lot of people might feel a little bit restricted. And, and I know from experience that 18 months into my journey as a sports and remedial massage therapist, I wanted to know more. And I think that's a natural point where you've worked with a different, you know, different clients, different body types, different, you know, relationships with, with your clients. Then you think, okay, you know, I'm, I'm either not getting the results that I, I was promised from the, from my educator. So I want to know more. And I think the question in general is where do I go next? Well, you know, what are my options rather than specifically highlighting? I want to be a sports therapist or a physio. Great, great points. And um, people listening live, if you want to make share your own experiences, or if you want to f- ask a follow up question, feel free to do so. Brian Huxley, for example, has said the bottom line is, if you want to work in the NHS, the traditional physiotherapy is the route to follow, especially if you're more interested in respiratory or cardiac rehabilitation. Yeah, I think that's a key point, isn't it? And then Rachel Francis Thompson, good to see you, Rachel, has commented. There are often inaccurate perceptions about what physiotherapy is. I get a huge volume of learners who say they want to be a physio, but can't afford or bear the thought of three years. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's being more, it's getting more informed, isn't it? Which is the point of these things, isn't it? It's the point of belonging to a professional association who's going to give you unbiased advice and support and, and put you in contact with people who can help you. It's asking around and getting a bit more information before you rush into something just because someone else is doing it and you've got a bit of FOMO. Good points, Rachel. Think, Thank you very much. Can I just say that? I think plenty of time to explore many, many different areas of our business before you may take the jump. There's endless courses where you can dip your toe in, find out areas that you really like, bring some variation into your own clinic. You don't have to just take a plunge and, and make a decision one way or the other. I couldn't I couldn't go to university for three years, for example. So I just try and choose courses that that sort of cherry pick physiotherapy, areas of physiotherapy that I can bring into my clinic and and offer to my clients. So it's not always about, you know, taking those really big steps. You can do it bit by bit and still be really satisfied with the the product that you're offering. Great points. Good points. What right, I'm going to move treatments? on. I'm going to move on to the next question. Sorry. We're going to have to go on because we've got five. It's all right. Let's move on. No, now, now I feel bad. Penny, what are you going to say? No, I just want to say that no, basically what kind of treatment you want to offer to people because there, there are differences between the modalities. But I, I think 
you know, we all struggle with the title of our profession and we feel inadequate and we have the imposter syndrome going around all the time. But ask your clients, see what your clients want. What do they need? Matt, Matt, just before you move on, I think it's important to remember that, you know, if we are a frustrated therapist and we're not getting the the results that we expected in three to five sessions you know we are a signposting this this whole podcast come about we're a signposting service for people you know it's not about the commercially driven activities of the industry to get you to do more courses it's about you identifying within your client sort of demographic how you will become better at treating them or dealing with them. And remember, people are not motivated to buy services. They're investing in outcomes. So anybody who doesn't understand that you're an STA member, just book a call with me and I can explain that or join us on one of our coffee evening chats because that's discussed regularly. Great. Yeah. Good points. Right. We've got five questions. So we're going to move on to the next one. I will make sure on the show notes that there's other podcast episodes connected to these questions, which you can look at and listen to, depending if you go to the podcast app of your choice or YouTube. Right. Next question. Here we go. So this was rebranding slash renaming my business. Which logo? The full question was sent in by Lynn Armitage Calvert, um, who's given kind permission for us to have a look at the logo she is considering. Uh, This was, again, a question in the Sports Massage Training Support Group. And Lynn says, I've been qualified in training for four years and considering rebranding, renaming my business. My business is going really well, growing day by day. But I just don't think I like the name anymore or the logo I have. Torn between what to do. The first photo is what I have. The second is what I'm thinking of changing to. So get your thinking caps on. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share on the screen. If you listen to the podcast, then you're going to kind of lose out here. I would suggest you go (laughs) along to YouTube because you're just going to hear scratching of heads and comments on something you can't see. But we'll try and describe it. And and as we're giving our reasons, maybe describe what's on the screen and what you like or don't like. So I'm going to bring these up onto the screen. Now I'll bring up the original logo, which is what lynn has got first i'll put it on full screen but we can still hear you speaking behind it put that there okay so this is the original one if you listen to the podcast then how would i describe it we've got a picture of blue rhino we've got lynn armitage big name underneath sports massage underneath long phone number underneath that and then we've got a lovely alliteration at the bottom relieve restore revive okay so we've got quite a lot of information on there that's panel you can see that okay yeah 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 cool Right, this is what Lynn has come up with and she's thinking about changing it too or she's open for fresh ideas. So interested to hear your feedback. This is, there we go. So for podcast listeners, um, still got the blue runner, which looks like runners are kind of Lynn's, Lynn's bread and butter. But now we've got a handwritten kind of signature, which says Lynn Armitage. And then underneath in very small letters, we got sports massage, phone numbers come off and we've got rid of that. Believe, restore, revise. So, yeah. What do you think, people? It looks wicked. I found with uh, rebranding is think about where it's going to go. So mm-hmm. if you want to print it on a T-shirt, are you going to be able to embroider it or will you have to like vinyl stick it on? A really good point. So keep it as simple as possible because so minimal colours, as in like only choose like three colours mats because sometimes you get charged more colours. And obviously if you want to like so I, i've got mine embroidered on my shirt so and and that was one of the key things it had to be simple but this looks awesome i love that she's taking her number off she doesn't need it yeah it looks cool 
Okay, so that's interesting. I love the color recommendations in that and taking the number off because it doesn't need to be on there. If they want to get in contact with you, they can just go to Google your name, can't they, or something, I guess. Yeah. What were you going to say, Penny? Yeah. I was going to say they, I would expect the, the first one to be in a, like a business card. Okay. I wouldn't, I don't see that as a logo. Okay. On its own. It's just, but the second one is, is really cool. And I can see that on a t-shirt, but I don't know whether they, that's a good point by the embroidery. I think then the font might be a little bit hard to, the to kind work. Of signature thing. Yeah. But it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really nice. But th- my question is why, why this need now to change the logo? I think she was just bored with it's it. She bit... doesn't like the name. Yeah. She says she hadn't been for four years. She's been trading with it for four years and just wants to freshen it up. Maybe if somebody said, no, don't do it. Keep it. That might be an argument as well. The one um, thing is that very important is to have what you do on your logo. So mm. that's very clear. Sports massage. That's, that's all it needs there. Yeah. That's brilliant. I don't understand anything. I want to hear from you guys. I think if you if you look at the font of the new one, it's not as readable from a distance. And so if she's standing around at a, a trade fair or something and she, people are looking for her and she wants to be recognised, mm. they might find that a little more difficult to, to read than the clearer print next on the first one. Mm. I mean, all, all these changes cost money don't they so she'll have to change you you'd have to change your logo on on every piece of promo material mm. be it flags or um, t-shirts etc all the paperwork so you've got you've got that cost true you've got cost of, sorry yeah you've got to weigh that up haven't you it's a very good point yeah is it worth the, the finance it's going to cost you yeah it's good yeah might, might be a website redesign uh, required they're quite costly as well you know, if you've got something that's, that is clear in the first place, is there a need for a change? I like I like the second one. It's a lot more modern. It seems mm. to have been updated. And if she's already known, the clients and people in the local area will recognise, oh, that's, that's yeah. Lynn. She's changed her logo. That looks yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. We like that because I've seen that happen around here too. And recognize, still, still recognisable. It's just, yeah, they've updated. So... That brings with it a sense of she's moving with the times um, and she's keeping an eye on the markets, et cetera. So, yeah, that's good for her promo. Good points. I like that. So, yeah, people already know her will still recognise it through the runner, through the colours are very similar still. There's still that kind of like purple colour and the runner. Cool. Mark, what are you thinking? I was just thinking that is the runner really the logo because that's her client base? And whether that might just be restricting things a little bit, I don't really know what the answer is. But mm. bring in mind, I think we've all said we do, we don't have a sort of a single population client base. Mm. That there's perhaps an opportunity to put something else there. Yeah, I but I can't depends. think of what that would be at the moment. Mm. But but it, I, I, her client base is all runners, and that's intended for fun runs and things mm. like that to display. Then then that works pretty well. I remember Gary Benson about 15 years ago saying, oh, I need a different business card for the different places you go into. Because if you're, <laughs> you're trying to get your golf to come to you. I haven't changed my tune. What, what, what I would say is that the, the, first, a squash racket. Yeah. the first one makes more of a connection with the Relieve Restore Revive. The second one I don't think makes a, you know, a connection, but I don't think having your name on it, having your title on it, I don't think that's important. I think you need to do something that makes a connection with your demographic. So 
if I was Lynn and I was having, you know, a lot of runners, I would have a different tagline for runners. And, you know, are you failing your PB regularly? Question mark with a picture of a runner. If I was trying to appeal to golfers, I would have, you know, do you want to hit the ball 25 yards further? So everybody, it's Lynn's been, you know, at this for four years now, the majority of the people in her local area will know she wants to, I expect, expand to, to different networks. And you've got to make that connection with, and, and understand the outcome that the individual wants, you know, whether they're a golfer, you know, a high jumper who's, who's knocking the bar off regularly, a, a long jumper who's not reaching the sandpit, whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got to make that connection. Great points. Um, Rachel here has, has raised a point which I, which kind of makes sense to me as well. It said, um, could one be a business card and the other be the clothing logo? Because it depends where it's going to be, isn't it? Because like, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, if you've got a t-shirt on and you've got that signature and the runner, no one's going to see who you are. If they don't know you, for, it, it could be a dancer or something. You're not really straight away going to know what that person's selling if it's on a t-shirt at an event or therapy expo. So maybe it depends where you're going. Yeah. From a perspective of a, of a designer, right? I would, if I were to play with the designing of this logo, the new one I'm talking about, the runner would be smaller and the sports massage would be bigger. So it kind of like shows what she's doing. This is what I want to do. I want to do sports massage. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I had the same question as Mark did with, is it the target market? Is it runners? Is she working with runners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because imagine if that was a golfer on that picture or a basketball player. It would change completely. Good point. Yeah, I purposely moved away from a runner when I rebranded because everyone's got a runner on their logo, you know, who's a sports therapist or a physio, like, local to me. I just wanted to do something different. So, yeah, like, I totally agree. Sports massage needs to be bigger because, but, like, something that I I went to on the expos and uh, I can't remember who it was, but they did say logos are great but they are not the be-all and end-all because unless you're something like Tesco's, which is very recognisable, doesn't matter. Mm. (laughs) It's something that's nice and represents you and it's nice to header things and it looks pretty, but is it going to go national? Like, like really, like, don't don't overthink it. Do what you enjoy and what's simple. Keep it simple. It's my biggest thing that I learned. That's good advice. I like it. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for your thoughts, people. Brilliant. We're going to move on to the next one. Um, Lynn, just to thank you for you for letting us share that. Um, I will give you a link to this as you asked to listen to what our panel have said. Um, There's a question in the question map from Facebook user. How do the panel keep things fresh in their own clinics? Right. Keep things fresh. What's that? What kind of comfort, isn't it? Or what do you use? (laughs) Oh, I see what they mean now. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. How do you keep things fresh in your clinics? I suppose they mean like in terms of like, I don't know, Open well, I suppose something nat- new, something. Oh, guess what we've got special yeah. today. The natural thing mm-hmm. that is to want is to want to add a service to your, your portfolio, your, your skill set. But I don't, I don't personally think that's the answer. And I don't think we have to oh. keep things fresh. I think if you've got something that's working well, stick with it, go with it because people are coming to see you. If you've got a full, full diary, nothing needs to change. Apart from occasionally, you know, redecorating and things like that, and having a new T-shirt. I'm glad you said that, Gary, because I was getting a bit nervous then, because I was thinking <laughs> I haven't changed anything for a very long time. <laughs> but I'm lucky that I have people coming in every day. You know, I have a full diary every week. So I did change my logo in the last 
four years, just went for a, a more up-to-date, brighter colours. So that's another thing that Lynn could think of, add a bit of colour to hers, maybe. But yes, in terms of in terms of keeping, keeping things fresh, it's going away and learning new things that I can then offer people in clinic, especially your regulars who, are, who come in and say, well, you know, you, you feel comfortable enough to say, do you want to try this today? Because I think this would work really well for you. I've learned it recently and pass it on to your regulars. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, why do you think, I don't know, Facebook user, if you do want to bring your logo up and your name, the reason why it says Facebook users, you just got to click that link that I shared earlier on just to give Facebook permission to show it. Or you can stay as Facebook user. But I'm just wondering, what do you think? Because like Gary said, sometimes it can be a slippery path. You're thinking, right, I need to do something new. I need to change things around because it's not that kind of industry, is it? You know, sometimes change is unnecessary and you spend money and, and really you should be looking more at just kind of making sure that the client experience is, is tuned perfectly from beginning to end and looking maybe a bit more operations rather than just the, whether it's fresh in clinic or not. I'm not sure if I it answers the question, but, you know, aside of what you're offering, I mean, I'm spending money on a website being developed at the moment, which will link to a booking system. So the customer experience beforehand will, and afterwards will be really different. Good point. But it's not, it's not significant around the service being provided. Mm. I think posters and things are good. That's things you can move around. And, and, and again, it was, who was it? It was Andrew McCauley who was talking. I mean, we've talked before about how the, the nocebo effect of having stuff on your walls, which can freak out clients, like the classic kind of old thing of like a, a knee joint with a meniscus taken out on the shelf and the person with knee pain is looking at going, oh my God, my knee's starting to hurt now. Is that what I got there? This big red blob, you know, the kind of nocebo stuff. But Andrew in the episode was talking about how we can actually get the other side. We can get them bolstered up and feeling good and ready for behavior change with some kind of, not too in your face, but some motivational stuff on the walls, which gets people thinking, I am empowered. I can do this. Things are going to be okay, that sort of stuff. So maybe that can be something which could kind of freshen up the clinic a little bit, you know, just thinking, should we change the messages people see when they come in? I did like that thing from Andrew, because you are affecting that, that contextual effect is happening from the moment they step through your door and look around the plants, the life, you know, everything they see is going to you know, change their their happiness to change and listen to you. So maybe that's one way Facebook user. I've got blackboards and I write things on it, like motivational yeah. quotes on it. And every month they know they will change. So they, they come back every month and go, okay, what well, you've written down now, Penny. So that's they find nice. that exciting. <laughs> that's a nice idea. We had that by the gate, by the treadmill. Yeah, always just chalking yeah. something up there. And people do say, oh, what have you got on your board today then? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. It's good. Fine. There you go. Thanks, Facebook user. Thanks for the question. I hope that gives you an idea. Right. Let's bring up a question from here. What do we got? We're going to move on to, yeah, I mean, just to see this came in as well. The short version, nutrition alongside my sports massage, best place to study. So this was a question which I like because I think a lot of, I think it's a healthy question because if you do want to help your clients, it's quite forward thinking to think, right, I can make them feel better with massage and this and that. But Maybe it is a nutrition thing. I need to know a little bit about that, when to refer them on. So it is a factor I think people working with others in pain should be aware of. And um, the full question was, da, 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 da. I'm thinking of doing online. No, I'm thinking of doing nutrition consultations alongside my sports massage. I was just wondering if anyone knows the best place to study this diploma course, P. 
please. And that was anonymous. So, yeah. Anybody got into nutrition? Any recommendations? I'm currently doing Gary Mendoza's course, the uh, applied nutrition and supplementation course. And it's, it's mind It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. The only thing we need to be aware of is to what extent do we advise clients on nutrition within mm. our remit? Because really, why do we need to do this course? I'm doing it for personal reasons. I want to know more about things because I'm interested in it. But And sometimes my clients do ask me questions, mm-hmm. but I do tell them, look, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a yeah, dietitian. Yeah. There's the basic principles you can follow, but you have to refer on if it's not within your remit. So it depends what type of qualification this person wants to get, how advanced and what for. I, I think what's happening here, Matt, is it's another case of wanting another string to my bow, another tool for my toolbox. I think nutrition courses, I'm nutritionally trained anyway, is great for sharing knowledge. You know, you might be able to say, you know, I've, I avoid tomatoes because they've got high high histamine content and it, and it just makes me itch all over. So have you thought about this might be, a, a, you know, something or you might be able to suggest a food intolerance testing service or something like that. But, you know, giving guidance, it's the regulated profession. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Yes. Penny, on Gary's it course, sorry. So no. I just want to check with Penny. On Gary's course, do you go into how much when you know you've got to stop giving information to the client or making sure that you are working with I haven't got that far or... yet, Mike, oh, right. but I am looking forward to that, yeah. It's just, it's it's a lot of studying. It's quite a few modules. It's very interesting. It's even a, a chapter on, you know, what's the word? Chemicals and stuff like that, which I don't understand because I haven't done chemistry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. It depends on why why this person wants to do this study what for what yeah, is yeah, going yeah. to be yeah and how are they going to market it as well is it how are they mar- going to do that yeah yeah how's it going to be marketed alongside what they're doing already is this a completely separate little venture will it be standalone or are we talking about just giving your client advice during the consultation path of their sport matter mm-hmm. but a useful way to think about this matt is what i suggest to people is have a think of your last 10 clients you know, how many of your, the last 10 clients were your your treatment sessions successful with? And if you've got, you know, if you can get that data and, you know, through feedback or recommendations, let's just say that you were, you were successful with seven out of the 10 and they've rebooked because they've invested in your, your service. Of those other three, how many would benefit from that nutritional guidance or how many benefit from sticking a needle, you know, if you're doing dry needling or medical acupuncture? How many would benefit from from a kinesiology taping course or sticking a cup on them. And that's a useful way to think about it. And Facebook users come back, well, I'll let you deal with that, Matt. But, you know, sometimes it's let the patient, let the client inform your ongoing study. So if, you, if you're dealing with, you know, a high proportion of runners, it's appropriate to go and do some run training, some biomechanical understanding courses. But if you know if your if your client base is perimenopausal, go and do some menopause training. You know, let mm. them be the judge really and the guide to you being better with that main demographic. Because we can't be everything to everybody, and that's why I always say, who is your ideal client? Excellent. Support Good them advice. as much as you can. Yeah. Danielle, you work a lot with athletes, and <clears throat> and you've done uh, sports science, biomechanics yourself. Have you needed to get 
more involved in nutrition as well? Or do you refer people on if you think there's a nutrition deficit there? Or Me personally, not really, but I do know nutritionists who I can send people to. So, yeah, the question may come up. Like I have very minimal knowledge. I'm not a nutritionist is the key line there. But yeah, no, it's it's all about just just having people in your uh, little pool of like around you so you can like call on them and just refer them on. Yeah, That's I don't something. have anything to add. <laughs> I definitely think it's worth doing these courses to help with. And we've talked about this a lot of times <clears throat> being able to refer on recognizing red flags recognizing disordered eating which potentially could you know go on to eating disorders and 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 also yeah just being knowing how to suggest that to your client in the way that they are actually going to seek that help rather than going oh yeah yeah yeah, i'll book it i'll give them a call thanks very much you know so i think it's really useful particularly and it doesn't matter whether you're a massage therapist and you're thinking oh i'm a lot of people coming to you potentially are going to need that signposting you know they could be chasing something they could have a pain which could be directly down to some kind of disordered eating or so i think it's worth doing it for that Mm -hmm. that is a good arsenal to have recognizing and referring on because then the people you're referring on to once they know wow this massage therapist from down the road referred this person to me guess what when they've got clients coming in with various nutritional problems they're going to say what you need is a good massage you need to take some time out go down to so-and-so so could be a good business model as well says me but hey what do i know let's move on <laughs> just dismiss myself in four seconds right moving on booking apps what is it 454 54 no 2054 that's 854 in our language let's go to now i'm tired of booking apps let's go down to this one this is an interesting one here we go Hiring additional therapist. Is the subcontracting model effective? What's a fair hourly rate and commission split? So this was a good topic. I'd appreciate not everyone in the panel is hiring other people. But this question was from somebody in the sports massage and training and support group. And she did give me permission, I'm sure, to say this. I'm just looking for the name. Yes, it was Heather Singleton. And Heather is saying, what are your experiences in hiring additional therapists? Is this a contracting model effective? And like I said, what's the what's a fair hourly rate and commission split for the therapist? Have we got well, anyone here? I'm happy, to, I'm happy to start with this one. What I would yeah. say, in the first instance, whether you're thinking of going to work for somebody else or in somebody else's clinic, or you're looking to employ somebody else, the first thing you should do is go to the HMRC website and Google or Google the employment status test by answering a number of questions and they're fairly general questions, but it will give you an idea of whether your idea means that the it will be an employee or an associate because I know HMRC are getting a bit more strict on this recently because I've heard of clinics being investigated. So, you know, self-employed or employee, just go to the HMRC website type in employment status test and do that first just to clear yourself excellent great advice dad do you employ other people i'm in the process oh right tell us about (laughs) it (laughs) it's hard work (laughs) it's really hard a bit of advice that was given to me from from a client who was a business person was when you go down that employment route like get someone who's a little bit of you not everything of you uh, not 100%, because if they're 100% of you, they'd be doing what you do. And it I was like it. Personally really <laughs> good because it stopped me micromanaging because it's my baby, you know, my clinic. So 
you know, I'm very protective of it. Yeah, so I'm in the process of looking for if anyone's down in Gatwick, Crawley area, you give me a shout. Like it'll be self-employed because they have to get their own clientele base, do their own hours. I can't fix them to a day at a time like because otherwise I'd be employing them. So there has to be a level of flexibility. Yeah, so we, I've got a friend of mine who's a recruit, used to work in recruitment actually, so she's really helping me screen some uh, interesting CVs out as well. Yeah, think about what you, what's going to add and the type of person as well. I've had staff in the past, some wicked and some challenging <laughs> uh, to say the least and I think the rules are make yourself clear at the beginning and something I, I learned a little bit the hard way was like when they're staff although I'm pretty sure this has been like still your thing that they're working under so make sure you're you're still the top of the the food chain as well like so if you do need to say something you can I'm, I'm a, you know I want to be friends with all my staff but it can't be the besties because if I need to say something, I need to say something. I was interested yeah, in what you I, said just then. Can I just go back to, you said, I mustn't sure. tell them when they're supposed to work because then you do, you move into a different kind of position. Yeah, you, and what, what's Gary, the effect of doing that? Yeah, like, so for clarity, Matt, what, yeah. it, a self-employed person working under Danny's umbrella, if you like, they get their own clients they set the times at which they want to go in. They set the fee and they get paid by the client and then they pay a, an agreed split and that should be contracted. Best advice is to get a contract. And then they are officially self-employed. But if Danny was taking the money and saying it's a 65 quid uh, a session and the self-employed person was working their hours with no responsibility then to get cover if they're ill for example then there is a fine line between crossing over between staff and self-employed gary is there a is there a third model which is what we do is that we just par- charge people a rate to use the room they're still using yeah that, that, yeah absolutely so, uh, so that and, and i do a half day full day rate and that's what that's what yeah. so i'm trying to steer clear of employing people it, it's what we're talking about here is a bit like the McDonald's business model, right? Yeah. They're not in the business of selling burgers. They're in the real estate business. You are not in the, you know, selling appointments. You're in the room hire business. And that, yeah. that's that's fine to do it that way. But, you know, I'm not an expert. I just keep up to date with what the HMRC are saying. And, and, and it's getting a little bit more tricky than it used to be. Very interesting. I mean, and and the point she makes about what's a fair hourly rate and and commission split. I guess the hour rate depends so much on area and other businesses and that sort of stuff. What about commission split though? Is there kind of like a? Well, again, it's a, it's about negotiation. That if you're going to mm. get somebody, or if I'm going to go in and work somewhere, I went to work in a gym, and I they said, well, it's five hundred pounds a month rent. I said, I don't want to pay five hundred pounds a month rent. You know, I haven't got the client base yet. So why don't we say? You know, if I get between naught and 10 clients a week, I pay this much. If I get between 10 and 20 clients a week, I pay this much. And and have a negotiation, but always have a three-month and a six-month review period. Don't always enter into a 12-month contract. Just to cover both parties, really, because Danny doesn't want to be stuck with one of those challenging therapists, you know, for a year, if that's what's in the contract, where you have a probationary period or a review period. It just makes things easier for both parties then. 
Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good advice. Has anybody here got experience of working with this system under someone else and it either working or not working? Sarah or Mark or Penny, have you worked for somebody else and kind of had a bad experience? When I, when I first started, I asked around to find a place to start working instead of doing it at home, but mm. they wanted like a 30% off my hourly rate. And I, th- I thought that was a lot, 30%. Because I was just started, I didn't want to charge a lot of money because I was trying to get clients in. So then I just started working from home. Got you. When I started, I worked at a flat hourly rate for someone, but I was very part-time. I was one evening a week doing mm-hmm. that. And that would sometimes be one client or it could be four or five. I guess with all of this, and I've learned this when I was employed by other people, is is get support and talk to someone else. Sometimes people don't know their own value and they don't think that they sh- should turn around to the person who's saying, oh, yeah, I'll take 30%. And then, and but this is again the idea of a professional association and people like Gary who can call up twenty four hours any time at all. The number will be in the show notes, and he will give you advice. He'll listen <laughs> to your particular individual circumstances and and say things you haven't even considered. So, you know, that's that's what a, a professional association is supposed to do: give you that advice, things you wouldn't even think of yourself. So, and selfishly, having worked, I've only ever worked on my own and for mm. for myself from home, and and. Yeah, I say I, I say to myself, I have I have had some jobs that are going for for sports massage therapist within a clinic. And once I hear the, the figures and how much they're gonna take of my hourly rate, when they want me in, etc. And I think about the, the the whole setup that I've got here already, I think why why would I want to change? You know, I can I can work as hard or as little as I want, I take off the time when I need it. It's just incredibly convenient as long as you've got some support around you, because that was the biggest thing that led me to a clinic was to have the support of other therapists around to question and have discussion with, etc. So I've tried, I've tried to build that out of you know out of here now. So yeah, I've got I've got the in my opinion the best of <laughs> best of all the worlds at the moment. I think one of the services that we provide with our fortnightly coffee evening chats with Scott and the accountability sessions with Alex is that you don't have to feel isolated if you need to bounce ideas off somebody come and join us every other Wednesday 7 30 till 9 p.m and 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 Mondays 12 to 12 45 I think it is but that's what we're here for that's what you pay your very very low 60 pounds per annum membership fee for mm-hmm. is to get you know to be part of a network and a community that's what we want it to be the Facebook users come back, Matt. Have you seen that? I, I think from reading that, I think I, looking at this person as they might come from Ireland because they've, they've mentioned sports therapy and neuromuscular injury therapy, and that used to be a qualification in Ireland, which has been rebadged. But Facebook users, if you want to discuss things more with me, just send STA Gary a direct message, and 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 I'll try and help you where I can. But yeah, I agree with a lot of your points about you know the forever learning. We should always be looking to develop ourselves. But you know, my model is let my clients inform me about what they need me to be better at. Excellent. Good points. Yes. If there's anybody else in the comments section who we haven't had time to read out your thoughts, but thank you for leaving them. I just have to pick and choose depending on the time and that sort of stuff. But we appreciate you all sharing information and it doesn't have to be the end of the conversation here. This is why I put it onto YouTube in particular. Facebook stuff disappears. If you want the conversation to keep continue, 
go to YouTube and put something in the comments there because that will appear in Google results and conversations can go on for far longer. Facebook is probably the worst place in the world to have a conversation because it just goes within a day. Something else has replaced it. It's mm-hmm. never seen again. So YouTube is the place to ask questions. And, if, and, and obviously I'm watching them and I get notifications. So if you've got a question for one of our guests um, or one, anybody, then leave it in there and I'll make sure that they get back to you. I'll get back to you on behalf of them. So, right. Look at that. It's nine Oh five. Thank you so much, people. That flew by, as always. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of questions here we didn't get to, but we may well bring them up next time, the first Tuesday of the month. If you're listening to the podcast and you'd like to be on the panel, then if you're an STA member, I do make it for STA members because this is one of the advantages of being in the STA, one of the many advantages for the low amount of £60 a year. <laughs> So, yeah, if you like the sound of it, it's, a, it's and it's a great learning experience as well. You realise it's really not that scary. And there's only 3,000 people going to hear your voice uh, once they upload this to the podcast app. So, yeah, it's not like you're going to reach that many people. So, yeah, if you've got any questions about that regarding that, then matt at the sta.co.uk. Um, I can give you a little chat about that if you're thinking about coming up to the panel. Next week, we will continue with our specialist guests. I'm pleased to say that next week, I can tell you it's going to be thraca lumbar fascia and lower back pain with a special guest, Claire Boucher. I think it's Boucher. It could be Boucher. I haven't spoken to her face-to-face yet, so let's go for Boucher. Claire Boucher, who's a lecturer of sports therapy and rehabilitation at Canterbury Christchurch University and a PhD researcher at University of Kent. PhD was in this very topic, so it's going to be a really interesting thing to discuss. That'll be next Tuesday if you listen to the podcast at 8 o'clock. And you can join us either on the Sports Therapy Association YouTube channel or the Facebook page or the Facebook group, whatever works for you. And once again, people who joined us live, thanks as well. It's lovely to see you and thanks for giving up your time. And of course, thank you once again to Mark Bleasdale. Thank you for joining us and Sarah Clatworthy and Penny and Danielle Peters. Thank you very much for being in our panel, people. Really appreciate it. Anything to close, Gary? Yeah, just a couple of things, Matt. What we've got coming up in forward plans for the STA team is we are producing some up-to-date resources on regulation, and we hope to develop that into one of these web chat podcasts. In the middle of February, which we're nearly at now, we will be launching in the members area uh, an up-to-date contraindication recognising red flags session that's going to be recorded with Anna Maria and she's making that available to to the members and then another thing that I'm asked regularly is about the the difference between sole trader and limited company so I'm producing a resource on that which will be a pdf and we will in the members area be inviting an accountant to come along talk to our members so we can discuss the pros and cons thereof exciting stuff coming up brilliant thanks Gary Right. So that's it. If again, like I say, if you listen to the podcast, you fancy joining us live, then next Tuesday, we will be here at eight o'clock on YouTube or Facebook. But once again, thank you to my panel for joining us for tonight and sharing your time. And hopefully we'll see some of you next week. Take care. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast, putting evidence back into soft tissue therapy.